All right, y'all, this is Gary Owen. Uh, my guest this week on the Get Some Podcast is Naeem Lynn from Pennsylvania. Nope. My fault. I don't do Wikipedia ever again. Where are you from? <laughs> I'm from Jersey. That's what I thought. That was yeah. my next guess. <laughs> I have fucked up every guest origin for about eight episodes now. You should play that part just to show that you fucked yeah. everybody. <laughs> from Maine. He was one funniest black man in Maine, 2002. <laughs> Let me tell you what you are, Naeem, that you probably don't know. So I follow you on all the social media outlets. Mm-hmm. And uh, you call Boxing Correct more than Max Kellerman. I accept For that. Real. I, I, I fully received that. And I like Max. But yeah, I fully received that. I, I love boxing and... Um, I do call it pretty well, yeah. There's some. I was like this. They don't know what the fuck he's talking about who? on this fight. Give me, give me one. Uh, there was a Kovalev fight you called uh-huh. that he lost, and I go, he about to rake Andre <laughs> Ward. They don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Uh-huh. There's been like two or three fights that I was like, I don't think he knows what he's talking about. I called the Javante Davis fight against Santa Cruz. I, I called the round, and he would get knocked out and everything. I got that one good. No, this was, I'm talking like four or five years ago, you Four, called okay. some big ones, and I was like this. How'd he call that one? Who's your favorite boxer? Ah, it's hard not to root for Tyson Fury. He's a white guy, <laughs> talks shit. I'm just being blunt. This is what I always say, Naeem. It's not like you root for white guys. I root for guys that shouldn't. They don't like they can fight. They shouldn't win. Based not off even fights. Like, I root for Tiger Woods because he's okay. a black guy in golf. I mm. root for black hockey players. Okay. I root for like. A black punter or right. a black kicker or a <laughs> right. white cornerback or a white running back. Are there any white cornerbacks? No, that's just Jason Seahorn. But okay. I'm saying, like, if it's a sport where you're not so you're not you, the majority. So you love um McCaffrey. You love McCaffrey. Oh my god. It looks like my son. If I was with a white woman, <laughs> he would be my but little boy. McCaffrey's a beast, man. He's a beast. Yeah, but like Tyson Fury's. One of my favorite, but here's the thing: I like Deontay Wilder too. Yeah, I, you know, I love I like watching him fight because he's got that one hitter quitter. That's all he got. He but, said that's all he's got. Yeah, that's all he got. But that's I, really I, all he needs. So I, I'm so big on boxing that I get the um, the YouTube notifications from the boxing blogs, vlogs mm-hmm. or whatever, right? So there's been shit going around that um, Tyson Fury was cheating. That he had loaded gloves, or they they showed yeah, pictures, that. right, right, right. Yeah. So you've seen it, yeah. Do you think so? No, no, of course not, because he, he's white. No, and I, like I him. but I know. <laughs> it had nothing to do with him being white. If you a dirty ass boxer, I don't uh, like you. Like I didn't like. Um, I fucking hate him. So glad the guy that beat Cotto, Margarito, fucking hate him because he clearly cheated. Mm-hmm. And I was like this. I was so glad when he got just. Fucked up Cold by everybody. His ass that second time. Oh, and well, Mosley did Mo- first. Mosley, Mosley knocked him out. Yep. But I was like, that was cheating. Mm-hmm. I don't think Tyson Fury is cheating. I don't. They showed a zoom in. You could see his knuckles through the laces. Like not, not even his so knuckles. How is, how, he just got. Ra- how how does that happen when somebody's watching you get wrapped? So what they said is they they he kind of has the gloves kind of loose, so he he pulls it. And then he hits you with an open hand to where there's no cushion. So he's hitting you like with this. Right? So he why is he stuck. knocking more people out? Well, he doesn't. That's that's that was the big thing. You got Wilder who took a beating from Ortiz before he knocked him out. He's never been down, I don't think. If he has maybe once in his career. And then Tyson Fury, who's not a knockout puncher, comes and knock you down for like just knocking you silly all over the fucking ring. So you think he's he he And he said he was gonna knock him out. 
Well, he's been right about everything. That's why I like him. Uh-huh. I didn't think he was going to be Klitschko. He called it, said it's going to be easy work. Yeah. You know, and then he he called the fight. Really, he called the fight before that. Yeah. He said, Deontay better beat me now because I'm only two fights next, out. Next fight, I'm cheating. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your, okay. This just turned into this just turned into boxy after dark. But what's your take on Joshua? I think he don't want no work from either one of them. You know, I saw his fight last week, and he's like, uh, "I welcome anybody." Fuck that welcome shit. You want you want to unify. You should want uh, Tyson Fury. That's the one of the biggest fights in boxing. It's the biggest fight in the UK. That fight is going to do crazy numbers. So why are you saying I welcome? Fuck that. Call him out. I think. Fury will whoop that ass, and I think Wilder will knock him the fuck out. Joshua, he already showed that his his chin or the back of his head at least is suspect. Because mm-hmm. uh, uh, what's the little Mexican Ruiz? Dude? Ruiz, yeah, he he clobbered him upside the head and knocked him out. But I think Wilder will will fuck him up. But do you think there was any validity in um, Joshua got he got knocked down in sparring, and it was like. He was Prior coming to the Ruiz fight. Yeah, and uh-huh. he was like, he should have. Honestly, he probably should have pulled out, mm-hmm. but he didn't want to. He didn't want to, you know, his U.S. debut mess it up. Right. But because I think there's some validity to that that he was like, yo, he, it, it didn't take much to get him out that fight. Well, first you have to ask, why the fuck are you getting knocked out in sparring? Yeah. <laughs> Well, you gotta, you gotta you overzealous sparring partner. <laughs> you got on headgear and everything. You still getting so that means your chin was suspect even prior to that. So yeah, you can say that. I heard Roy Jones um, got knocked out by a security guard before he got knocked out by Tarver. So you know, once you mean like in a street fight, like at a club? I heard a a bouncer knocked him out. I don't know how true this is, but I heard that's that what happened. Suck. And then after Tarver knocked him out. He he had a bunch of devastating knockouts after that. Once they hit that button, yeah. Once they hit that button, it's over. It's like hypothermia. Yeah. Once you catch it, <laughs> you're gonna catch it again and again and again. Yeah. Who do you want to see fight? I want to see uh, Crawford and Spence. I was gonna say that's, that's the fight. That's all I want to see. But Spence is acting like he don't want the fight. He's trying to say that the cut should be seventy thirty, which is ridiculous. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I think they should do forty uh, forty. And then the winner gets sixty. They don't mm. do shit like that. How about that? Nobody, because the promoters aren't gonna let that happen. They're like, you're not messing with my money like that. Bob Arum is the worst man. He's the dude. Worst. I saw Bob Arum at Jet Suite uh-huh. about right before COVID hits, like January. I was like, who is this homeless old <laughs> motherfucker? When I say I had never seen a. Which you could say mogul uh-huh. looks so raggedy. Yeah. The way his shoes wasn't tied, the clothes didn't fit, and then he had a newspaper, like he was reading it and it was all wrinkled and shit. I go, get, get your fucking phone. <laughs> <laughs> Why you got this raggedy ass newspaper? Yo. He looked, I was like, and I'm just sitting there like, nobody was paying attention. I was like, does anybody realize that's Bob Arum? Sitting there looking raggedy as He's shit. He's just a feeble old man. He's like 80 something. Dude, when I saw him, I was like, "You would, I would never let you negotiate a contract. <laughs> You're fuck something up and then be dead. I can't right, even see you." Right. But he looked really bold. I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, he's done. Him and Biden. So when did you start doing stand up? 
I just disregard that Biden comment. <laughs> <laughs> you ever do an interview? Hold on, hold on. You ever do an interview and like the 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 interviewer, like obviously you've done more impressed and everything, uh-huh. and they're just so stuck to their script, they're not like comprehending your responses. Right, right. And I just did that to you. <laughs> yeah, him and Biden. So when did you start doing stand-up? Like, yo, motherfucker, did you hear the Biden comment? Right, right, yeah, right. I'm <laughs> not trying to lose my Republican fans. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, but to answer your question, I started doing stand-up. Uh, first time I was on stage was 98. I was 20. Was That's about the same time I was doing it. Was that at the Laugh House? No. The first time I got on stage was at um, at my school. I went to Temple. And then I got I performed at the Laugh House the first time, like Thanksgiving of that year, with Teray. Teray hosted a Thursday night show there. Teray. Yeah. Teray got mad at me. He, Teray gets mad at everybody. He got really mad. Him and Charlie Mack both got mad at me at the same time. For what? When me and Michael Blackson had the fake beef, uh-huh. I got my wife to say the N-word. Right. I go, you guys realize it's a sketch, right? Like, right, That's right. not serious. That's a sketch. And be like, you got to let her just say that word. I go, she's black. She's allowed to say it. I right. can't say it. A lot of people got mad at you about that. I didn't give a fuck. No. But a few people got mad and they made a lot of noise. Well, a, a few people that you knew got mad and then it went to social media and then, you know, yeah. people jumped on the bandwagon. I like it. Yeah. I like it when you offend people on social media. Yeah. <laughs> I do too. I know what I, I don't like when um people misquote me. That's the shit that bothers me. That, well there's the, really the clickbait stuff, me. you mean? Just not even the clickbait. Just like if I say something and then they're like, Oh, well, you did this or you said and and those are the comments that I tend to respond to. You know, like mm-hmm. I like, okay, if this is this goes on YouTube. There may, there may be something in there. I don't even look at the comments for the most part, but if I just happen to look at it and somebody says some shit that pisses me off. Like I remember somebody told me, somebody said something about me being jealous of Kevin while I won his spot. And then I, I felt the need to respond to that because I don't. Oh, I don't want his spot. I might have said that. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was like this. What that was, was that the handle? Was that my Kevin Durant <laughs> fake handle? <laughs> my dummy account? That's funny as shit. But isn't it funny how we'll, you'll see a hundred comments and uh, they're complimentary? And, you and then that, that one. Well, you know what I think it is? I think it's when they say they like you, they just be like, ha, oh, you're a funny guy. Mm-hmm. When it, they don't like you, they write a fucking thesis. Right. And it catches your attention like, what? You know what and I then, do? You know what I do? That when somebody writes a negative comment, I look to see who liked their comment and I block those people. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking block people that are following me because they liked somebody else's comment. Mm, how about that? I always say this, the people that are writing like uh, negative stuff about me, I'm like this, if you haven't seen me live, mm-hmm. your opinion isn't valid to me. What's the type of shit, what's the most common uh, criticism that you get? I, the, the most I get is, uh, we get it, your wife's black. Why is all your jokes black and white? Mm-hmm. And I'm like this, <clears throat> and I'll literally go back and I'll be like, well, let me see. The last four jokes I posted on social media did not bring up race at all. Mm-hmm. But what I think is, what I know is happening is like, you know, my wife's black. I'll just say my wife, but a black woman pops in your head now. Right. So everybody knows my wife's black. So I go, yeah, my wife did this. I go, here he is talking about his black wife. I go, I didn't say black. Right, I right. just said my wife. But right. you, in your brain, you have a black woman. And I do do a lot of racial humor. No different than Chappelle does. Yeah. Also, and Chris Rock does also, but they're just the opposite end. But yeah. I get that more than anything lately. Uh-huh. Is God? Do you do any other jokes than black white? I go. 
yeah, you're, you're not paying attention. You know what I mean? Even though there, there's always going to be some racial shit in my act. Right. It's almost like if you go see Trevor Noah and Bill Maher, you're expecting some political humor. Right. So I get that more than anything. It does, it, does it still bother you? Mm-mm. Because I'm like, I'll put it this way. If you come at me like negative and blah, 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 I'm like, you didn't, but you've never seen me live. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't really care because honestly, you're probably never going to come see me. Right. But if you came to see a show, you paid your money and you DM me or make a comment, I'll respond to that because I want you to come back. Mm-hmm. Or I want to know. I had one guy, he got upset at some joke I said. And instead of attacking him, we actually had a good back and forth. And he literally was like, yeah, I just didn't agree with that, man. But you know, I'm always going to support you. Every time you come to my city, I'm still coming. I was like this. Good. I'm glad I didn't say fuck off, motherfucker. Right. <laughs> that, listen, a lot of times people just want some attention. I've realized that people say fucked up things to you, and then once you respond, depending on how you respond, then before you know it, they're like, oh, man, yeah, I was just fucking with you. You know, I'm, I'm always going to be a fan. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> but it's, it's kind of how you respond, though. I think the, the biggest shit I get now is, is just the radio stuff. Because our show is getting pretty big, and uh, we have it's called straight from the heart for a reason. Because we really forget that we are on the microphone sometimes, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and we we share things and we talk about things that really bother us. Like Kevin and I, we get into to heavy debates. He and I, the, we we go at it more than anybody else on the show, mm-hmm. and so that's what makes people say things like, "Oh, you want to be him, or you you're jealous of him," and I'm like, "That's ridiculous." I would never want his level of success. Mm-hmm. Never. That shit is it's too much. You have to to be that kind of celebrity, you have to be built for it. You know, that's why you have people that get super famous and they, they fucking go crazy. Mm-hmm. Cause they're not built for that shit. He's built for that. And I'm not, man. You know, I like <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I don't and even, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not built for that level of fame. I'm at that stage right now. Pre, Pre-COVID, before we had to wear masks, I, I was at that level in my career where you hear the the loud whispers when you walk through the airport or something. Hey, ain't that a... Ah. Mm-hmm. They don't, a lot of people don't know my name, but they, they recognize me. Or I'd be in the mall and somebody's like, one person to know me, and they're like, he a comedian. And then the other one don't. Hey, this motherfucker say you funny, man. Say some shit. Oh, my God. You know, like that type of stuff. And that, that annoys the hell out of me. What I can deal with... Uh, is when I know that, like, you know, I have a show now, so somebody's like, oh, that's the guy from such and such, or, you know, then I can just give a little wave. But it's the shit where the, oh, you look familiar. Where I know you from, that's the shit that bugs me. Mm-hmm. But that superstardom thing where, you know, people come up to you when you're eating dinner and people are always recording you and all that, I don't want that. Man. I don't want Can't that. Can't go anywhere. That's what people ask me about Kevin, too. They'll be like, what's Kevin like? Was it I go, it's... It's odd, like, I've known him for 22 years. I go, so when you're in a setting like this or you're just one-on-one, mm-hmm. it's the same as 2000. Right. I go, it's when you leave and right. you go to Starbucks, you're like, oh, this is fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's when you're like this. When you're just one-on-one working with somebody, it's like this. I don't know. It's the same. One thing I say about him, and, and this will be the last thing, because I don't really feel like talking about his ass all day, but uh, he's done a pretty good job of staying who he is now it's just what your def what your relationship is with him and what you think that is like i can't say he's changed because he's always been an asshole mm-hmm. you, you know what i'm saying you you quick say oh man you 
you different. He's like, no, I, I've always been a fucking asshole. I've always yeah. done shit like this. He's like, oh, yeah, you're right. Actually, you're better now. My fault. <laughs> 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 you know, so that's one thing about me. Nobody can say that I'm chill. If you say I'm an asshole, it's like you got to look back like, yeah, I've always been an asshole. Yeah, yeah. that's a fact. Yeah. Yeah, you trying to make give me a guilt trip to come on the podcast. Well, see what happened. You, t- I reached out to you and you said, "Well, yeah, let me let let me let you know." And you never got back to me. And then you rip, you put it on me and said, "I never got back to you." But if you look at the text thread, you actually never got back to me. All right, I'm gonna look it up right fucking now, Naeem. Go ahead and pump some tour dates while I look up this text message. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you coming up next, Naeem? It's, it's gonna be real quick. I got <laughs> Philadelphia <laughs> in March. That's it. Wow. <laughs> My Twitter fingers aren't that fat. Why? Why am I? Why can I not find your freaking number? Uh, you know, if you just you just do search, you just. Oh, search you're right. My name. You're right. My fault. I'm a little behind the times. Gary doesn't have me saved. That's I'm sorry, Naeem. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm not. Rec- okay, okay. Sunday, September 27th. This is you. You do you have anyone booked for the 29th? Me, I'm not recording on the 29th. I usually record every three weeks. I'll let you know when I'm back. Okay. <laughs> You're an asshole. <laughs> now, you know what? You are an asshole. And I agree with I everybody you. coming up. <laughs> I'm like this. I told okay. you. Okay. But you have to call me out on Clubhouse. <laughs> oh, that was the perfect time. That was the perfect time because then you had to black. Oh well, <laughs> you free on Tuesday? Yeah, I got, I got yeah. my date. Well, Joe Coy's the one that backed out. Oh, that wasn't so. gonna be good anyway. So this right. is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I do call outs. The last couple I'm, I was every week. I'm gonna call them out so they come on. The three people that I've either talked to or reached out and they just kind of didn't get back was Anthony Anderson, and he was like, uh, "Let me check my schedule." Mm-hmm. He's done it like four times. I go, dude, your schedule must be amazing. Right. <laughs> Joe Coy canceled the night before. And if I didn't call him, I was like, was he going to call me? I was like this, yo, what do you need tomorrow? Anything to drink or eat? He goes, ah, oh, something. I was like this. <laughs> so, and then uh, Dion Cole, mm-hmm. I DM'd and like tried to call him out and just radio silence. I'm like this. Damn. So you three motherfuckers. What was Dion's reason? He never just... I just didn't just respond. Just fuck you. Ignore me. <laughs> Some uh, Tone Bell said, you got to come on and have him let him know he can DJ. I go, ooh, I got a little Bluetooth right here. <laughs> Is that what he's doing now? Yeah. DJ? <laughs> you know, he's DJing on, on Instagram and stuff. Oh, okay. he's got the He's got the disco nights and shit. Shout out to Joe Coy, man. Joe Coy is a legend. Dion Cole, a legend. Anthony Anderson, a legend. You know what? It's funny you mentioned Anthony Anderson. You have a great career, right? Who would you like to, if, if you wanted to step your career up or step it down, who would you like to parallel your career with? Do you think you like, you know what, I like his level of success, the money he makes. I would like a career parallel to that. Acting, uh, Will Ferrell. Okay. No question. You don't really know a lot about him. Mm-hmm. His person, even though it sounds weird saying I had a reality show with my whole family on it. Yeah. But I think I've done a good job of really keeping my my. Private life, private. Mm-hmm. You know. Besides, I mean, you can talk about your black wife on on stage. On stage but yeah. I mean, that's like <laughs> as far as like just our day to day life. People right. don't know where we're at. True. They don't even know where we live, mm-hmm. and nobody's like, I don't know. We just we've been a, done a good balance here, and we don't put anything on social media. That's where people get in trouble. They put everything on there. Right. 
So Will, Will Ferrell that way, but stand-up wise, that's a tough one because like, I, I don't think there's anybody that's ever gone the route I've gone where I've gone completely against my. Probably Joe Coy. Probably heard us talking about him. <laughs> Fucking Joe got an ambulance. Stand. Well, fuck you, then, bitch. <laughs> no, I would say like um, I've gone completely against like my heritage, mm -hmm. my skin color, everything. Like, there's never been a white guy that just had a black fan base. Right. Everybody has had like, uh, you know, Sebastian's got the Italians. Yeah. Gabriel's got the Mexicans. Russell Peters got the Indians. Joe Coy's got the Filipinos. They all got their core group. Right. You know, when you get the level of like Rock, Chappelle, Kev, that's, that's, it's everything. Of, that's yeah, yeah, it's just everybody. But I don't think there's ever been any, a stand up I could really compare that like, like, and it wasn't like on purpose. I just want to get on TV and BET gave me the, first chance right what, what's the first time you got on tv was it comedy View? View, yep 2000 yep so who was the host that year ricky smiley oh there was a ricky Sm was that in la or atlanta it was in atlanta then 2001 was bruce bruce and that was uh, in new, new orleans. orleans yeah oh yep. i got a great great new orleans bruce bruce that year yeah. oh i fucked bt over that year what happened they fucked me over so you, you just you didn't do a special you just did a, a spot I just did a spot yeah was that your first that was your that was your second TV appearance then yeah 2000 2000 and I did also did uh, Apollo in 2001 so yeah those are my first three amateur night they had this this shit called com not TK TK was it TKO I think I remember hearing this, some of it it was this thing where two comics would battle oh yeah it yeah, wasn't necessarily that. amateur night but you could get booed if you were doing bad but it was like. Rudy Rush was the host, and I went against Smokey. And uh, Smokey was bringing it on yeah, that he type was, of show. He was, he was that was when he was like super hot too. Yeah, he kicked my ass. I did this. I did this joke. I said, "How many people in here got AIDS by a round of applause?" <laughs> <laughs> and then they booed the shit out of me. They right were, off that. They, man, that's not funny. You, you know when you're doing bad, you hear everybody in the audience talking. And um, did you ever? Did you, was that the year that guy Redbone got booed too? That was oh. one of the worst boos I've ever seen on TV. Oh my god, was that Apollo or was that, that was the Apollo? I heard about that. I didn't get booed off the stage. They laughed. They laughed at me, but I, they were like, "Yo, this dude is is tripping." You know, this is two thousand one in Harlem. You know, might have been people in there with AIDS. You yeah. know, <laughs> <laughs> or they knew somebody. Right. My uncle got it. Ain't no right. cure for that shit. <laughs> right. So. But uh, I heard about Redbone. I think he, shouldn't he, put, he had the joke where he put the flashlight on his ass yeah. or something. Oh, my God. I, I can't believe they aired it. Uh, I was like, it was brutal. I remember watching it going, because we all like, it's a, it's a car wreck. You can't uh -huh. turn off when somebody's getting booed. But at the same time, you put yourself in their shoes like, oh, kind of like when Doug Williams and the Jamie Foxx thing. Yeah. Like, I was sweating when Jamie mm. Foxx says, Were you there? No. Okay. I'm saying when he was like, it's getting hot in here. Right. And I go, Oh, yeah, it's real hot. <laughs> I'm watching it going, oh, I hate to be Doug right now. Fuck. You know, you know Will, Will Savint said that uh, he had a bad set at the Apollo, and he pulled his ass out so they couldn't air it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he pulled his ass out. <laughs> Whip your dick out. Air that, bitch. <laughs> oh, shit. That's, that's actually brilliant. That's a fucking genius. That's, that's so genius. brilliant. That's what Redbone should have did. Right. He should have put...
That was one of <sighs> the. You never saw that? That was comedy TKO, though. I heard about it. I never saw it, but I, I heard about it. Man. He just went in like he did the same set he did on Comic View. Right. And just that's a different crowd. Because you know what? You know what fucked him over? I'll never forget it. He goes, What's up, Apollo? And he said that, you know, like something like, I don't, I don't even like white people. Till it's time to get a job. And like when he said, I don't even like white people, he goes, Don't be looking at me because I'm white. Mm. You saw the whole crowd go, What? We, we, we never said we didn't like white people. Like the whole crowd, like around, like when did anybody ever say they didn't like white people? Yeah, don't be looking at me. I don't even like white people till it's time to get a job. And he, he just went, "Fuck it, I'm going for the closer." <laughs> he said, "Fuck the other four minutes." It was too late, man. I was like, "Oh fuck, man." What what happened to him? Does he still perform? I'm sure. I'm sure. I don't. I don't know. Change his name. <laughs> no, he was still out there for a while. I haven't seen or heard of him in years until you said that. I well, let me tell you something. You say something about something on the podcast, mm-hmm. I don't care if a hundred views uh-huh. or people find out. I'm sure. I guarantee he'll reach out. That's I guarantee. I said something about a promoter that ripped me off and said his name. Uh-huh. Fucker reached out. What did he say? All threatening. Like he, he reached he out. He ripped to you us. off. Right. He threat. He called somebody else to get to me. Mm-hmm. And the guy called me and was like, yo, why did this dude just reach out? And I go, you're fucking shitting me off the podcast. Wow. <laughs> Never deny rip me off, though. Mm-hmm. Just say, hey, man, rip you off again, motherfucker. Well, the guy's got to be pushing 60 now. Because I was like early 20s and he was already in his 30s and 40s back then. Okay. You talking about Nate? No. <laughs> Who's Nate? Nate, our road manager. You don't know Nate? Oh, no. Nate was ripping people off. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Who's when they went before? Our name's Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Our name's used to fire Nate every week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Nate. Nate Smith, man. Love and that Nate's guy. son. Yeah, Maurice. He's uh he works with Corey. Corey now? Holcomb. Mm-hmm. Well, his son like was like doing rental cars or something in Charlotte. I don't know what he was doing before. but Well, he told me, like, yo, Gary, uh, you need to rent a car. Let me know next time you come to Charlotte because I was there. And then uh, I we called, and his rates were fucking awful. Really? <laughs> I well, was like, I'll go through Avis. Well, Nate has, like, 20 Ex- kids, so we might not be talking about the same. Oh, no, son. this was, like, little Nate. Oh, Nate beginning it in, huh? Nate got, Nate got, like, seven kids with 10 baby moms. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know all that. Nate, yeah, this Nate. was one of them. Nate got a, Nate got like a he has like a a seven year old I think. Holy fuck! <laughs> this is grandpa. Yep. He's he was like this. Nate, you're not gonna see the kid grow up, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can't throw your son up. You're, let me put it this way: you're never gonna meet his grandkids ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> I'll just put it to you that way. Nate is uh, how old is Nate? Nate is in his fifties. He's probably like um, he got a seven year old. I think the kid is somewhere. The kid is somewhere between six and seven because I think he had him right before mm. I had my daughter. My daughter's five, but yeah, Nate. Oh my God, Nate got a bunch of stories for you too, man. None of them sound believable. None of them. None. I know a lot of people like that. Me too. You be looking at the stories like I don't believe. It. What's funny to me is when people talk about their athletic exploits. I was like, you know, we can look that up, right? Right. Like everything's on the internet. You remember when Jalen Rose got skipped? Got what do he do? I don't remember that. Oh man, Skip said he did something. Skip, yes. Well, Skip, you know, he's a a journalist. 
uh, on-air personality. He talks shit about other athletes all the time. And him and Jalen Rose had gotten to uh, some debate one time. And Jalen found Skip's college stats. College, at least he went to college and played was sports. It, was it, it might have been high school, whatever it was. Because, you know, Skip will say that he was a decent player. Mm-hmm. His stats was like 1.2 points. <laughs> <laughs> Skip was so mad. He was so gently had to apologize. It was, it <laughs> For was what? Because the you way. talk shit about all the athletes. It, exactly. I didn't feel like he needed to apologize, but Skip was really offended. He, he was really offended. You can't be sensitive. How you a journalist? It's almost like comedians. Well, we, we're definitely sensitive, though. We're sensitive, but we shouldn't be offended by a joke or a sketch. We should well, be offensive proof. If you, are, if you are famous and somebody's doing a bit on you or a sketch about you or impersonating you, then mm-hmm. no, you, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be, but, you know, it, but there, it Even happens. topics. There's, to me... I'm thinking of some comics that have like said shit about me over a joke or something. Like the Teray thing and Charlie Mack thing. I'm like this. That's a sketch. Has anybody said anything about you on stage? And no, on podcasts and stuff, but mm-hmm. never like right. I don't, I, as far as I know, nobody's gone to the stage and talked shit about me. Mm-hmm. Uh no, like that. And then there was um what's some guy, um James Davis? Does that sound right? Yeah, I know James. What about yeah, him? he got mad at me about something. I don't know what. But I was like, I, I shot him a DM. I said, hey, man, reach out. If mm-hmm. you want to talk about it. He didn't and, respond. So I don't know what it was a while ago, but he, he was like really upset at something. I, and I don't think it was something I said. I think it was just he's upset at my career or something like that. Like you made money off the black man. I hate when people say that. <laughs> I was like, dude, you don't choose your audience. They choose you. Yeah. I, I can't tell people, black people to come see me. So what's your white audience like? Do you have, like at a show, what's the percentage it's the white girls with black husbands and black boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny because they, I mean, I'm always not amazed, but. Is I mean, it like 10% white or less? It depends. The clubs, on the, city. the clubs is, um, it's again, it depends. If you do an improv funny bone, you're 30%. Uh-huh. It'd be 70% black, 30% everybody else. Uh-huh. Unless you're doing uh, Atlanta comedy theater. Right. Then that's just, no white you see people. white people there, like, damn, you loyal motherfuckers. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you'll see them. Yeah. And there's, I don't go on the road and it's just all black, mm-hmm. but it's a it's majority it's black. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm always, I'm always, I always like it when a, like an older white couple comes to see me, like in their 50s and 60s. Like, oh, this and they're just the like, we, we fucking love you. I'm oh, like yeah. this. They are, they're real, real fans. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like this. Oh, man, we love that shit. Dude, I was like, here's the thing. This is what I'll say about you. To have a black audience as a white comic means that you're actually extremely funny and what you're saying is not offensive because black people get offended by every fucking thing. So it's not like it's reverse coonery or some shit mm-hmm. like that, you know, because you're up there, you're talking about your life. Did, oh, here's, here's a question for you. Did you meet your wife before you started doing stand-up or you met her? No, I was you? open micing. Okay. Right in early, early in my career. Okay. Yeah, so I, I don't understand why someone would be offended. I mean, yeah, I get the whole white privilege thing, but you could have took an easier route. Facts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, there's so no white is... privilege. Like I'm like, it's just when I first started doing stand-up, uh, 1BT was the first network that I was able to get on the air. 
I happened to become the host. It wasn't planned. Ooh, I remember um, who who was it that that got? It was it another comic? And I remember when you became the host, and somebody I don't know if it was a judge or another comic. Oh, I know it was the ballhead dude from Atlanta. He was up for the job. No, I think he was just. It just it just felt type of way because this is black entertainment TV, and you as a white man became the host of the black show. The guy he used to date um, Lonnie Love. Oh, Al Toomer. Al Toomer. And so yeah. I remember you came. You were like, you know, I'm sorry for what my people did or some shit. Like yeah, that. yeah, that was all <laughs> sketch. Again, a sketch. Oh, that, oh, so that was planned. Yeah, completely planned. Really? Yeah. Even for him to say that, he told me he was gonna say it. Before he went on stage. Okay. He said, just be ready. And then I was like, all right. And then I said, yeah, I'll apologize. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's why I said, I said, I don't know if I had anything to do with it, but I, I apologize for my people. You know what I mean? So you don't think he meant it? He was, it was really just a. I think he, there was some. Because he's kind of political. He's kind of yeah, like. Yeah, I think he meant it, but I also think it was an opportunity for he, this was before the internet. Mm -hmm. Before you could go viral, but mm -hmm. I thought I think it was an opportunity for him to like, whoa, I could have a moment that might take off, that right. might resonate. Right. It didn't like I think he he hoped, mm -hmm. you know. But I got what he was trying to do. Right. I'm not mad at him for it. I got it. I was like this. Yeah, yeah. I was so young. I look at those sets when I host it and I cringe. I go, fuck. I was bad. Yeah. I was not. I was. You were not, killing back then. But I was. I was pandering more. I would say. Mm -hmm. Than I. I mean, I was still doing my jokes, but I was, my inflections and everything I did, I was like this, oh, you're really, you're really playing it up a right. little bit. Mm -hmm. Because you felt after like that's that, what they wanted. exactly. And after that, I started doing improvs and then their white people show up and I was like, oh, wow, I'm really left. Right. I don't have any material that crosses over. Mm -hmm. And you know, I didn't want to be the guy that's putting down white people. Yeah. Just because black people's in the room. Right. So I've made a conscious effort. I was like, okay, I'm glad, I, I'm glad it happened early. Because now I just write jokes. I'm not saying anything's better or worse. I'm just saying, hey, we all do shit different. It ain't nobody better or worse. It's just there's different. It's there's pumpkin and sweet potato. Right. <laughs> Some people like I like I like pumpkin pie better than sweet potato. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're really close. I know black people don't want to hear that, but it's fucking close, bro. Yeah. It's like spaghetti. Different types of spaghetti. Different yeah. types of potato salad. Have you ever had bean pie? Yeah. You know who gave me a bean pie? Shaka Khan. Really? I did a play with her, uh -huh. and she showed up with all these bean pies for the cast. I go, what is this? <laughs> she was like, it's bean pies. Crushing it. The truth of the matter is, if you ate any of that shit with a blindfold, you probably wouldn't really be able to tell because they all have a, a pound of sugar in it. It's just mm -hmm. whatever. It could be a fucking... Uh, a patty pie? A, a horse pie. <laughs> they put the same ingredients. Yeah. You're like, this shit... This is sweet potato nuts, but yeah, it's just again, it's just black cold to not eat a pumpkin pie. Yeah, I, just, I really like pumpkin pie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like this, I know, but I really like Why pumpkin pie. Nah, nah, she's sweet potato. I think that's more of disrespect. <laughs> I'm gonna eat. But she, she, she's eaten pumpkin pie before. Yeah. Well, you know, in Cincinnati, we got this restaurant called Frisch's Big Boy. Mm -hmm. They got the best pumpkin pies. Really. Cincinnati may have the worst food I've ever tasted. This is the worst food city in the country. Shut the fuck up. It's the worst. It's about our chili, Skyline uh, and Gold what Star. The, what the fuck is that? What? What is what is that shit? It's chili on noodles or chili on uh, spaghetti? That shit yeah, is, chili on spaghetti noodles. That don't go together. It does in Cincinnati. 
Cincinnati. Tastes so good. The cheese on there. Mm. There is one Mexican restaurant in Cincinnati that's good. It's a crust. We got a lot of we got good steakhouses. Uh, uh, you ever go to Jeff Ruby Steakhouse or Prime right downtown? No. But Sato, the, the Italian that spot. I've eaten at, they've been really bad. And I, but I had it's, it's a Mexican restaurant right across the street from that that museum hotel. Twenty one C. Yeah, it's right across. I can't remember the name. Of it. That's it's pretty good. I mean, tell me some good spots because I look for good places to eat and. I said Cincinnati was. You ain't in the right spots. Look, there's some good restaurants right there by the Funny Bone, Liberty Town Center. Yeah. Go to North. Next time you do the Funny Bone, go Mm -hmm. to North Star Cafe. You can go for breakfast or lunch. Mm -hmm. Good as shit. Yeah. You'll like that. Or go to Sleepy Bee for breakfast. Russell Russell Peters called me. He's in Cincinnati. I hipped him to all the the good spots. We got some. Every city's got good spots. You just got to know where to go. Like Philly, I hate going to Philly because I can't find nothing healthy. (sighs) Philly, let me tell you something about Philly. Everybody thinks that whatever cheesesteak place is closest to where they grew up is, is the best. best one. And it's just not. And then people always shit on Max's and, and Pat's. I'll tell you something. Max and Pat's, first of all, the good thing about them is they stay open 24 hours. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you either got that or fucking Lorenzo's on South Street and that pizza is overrated. It's just a big ass slice of pizza that fucking terrible. But Pat's and Max, they're not bad. I mean... uh, I'm sorry, I'm fucking up. It's Geno's and Pat's. People in Philly listen to this shit. You don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. It's Geno's and Pat's. Max's is, is in North Philly, uh, off of Area Ave, and that's like one of the staples. That's one of the good spots. What about Ishkabibbles? Trash. Ishkabibbles is fucking trash. I got a chicken cheesesteak from them. But that's why I, I like the chicken cheese more than the regular cheese. I steak. like chicken cheesesteaks too, but they has got the best chicken cheesesteak. I had it had a fucking piece of bone in it. It was terrible. You had a bad cook. You had a bad chef that day. A lot of places, see, the thing is, they have the meat on the grill all day. And then when you order something, they just they just slide a, mm. <laughs> slide a roll of, like it's cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, the, the best chicken place, um, I don't know. It used, it used to be this spot on South Street called Steaks on South. And before that, it was called Food Tech. And they had a good one. But uh, I couldn't really tell you right now. There was a place called... Um, Copa 2. You know, Philly has a bunch of Copa, like Copa Cabana mm-hmm. restaurants, but there was one called Copa 2 that was uh, in Center City that was it was incredible. Incredible, but they closed. So, yeah. Thanks. So, Ishkabibbles is kind of the only place to get a chicken cheese. No, nah, you can get them from almost anywhere. You know what? You know who got a good chicken cheese steak? Fucking Jersey Mike's. Okay. I'm talking about some there, Philly I'm shit. That's, that's a chain, <laughs> dude. It's good, though. It's good. Mm-hmm. All the all the Philly steak places in LA, they don't have the hoagie rolls. Mm-hmm. That's what makes without, it. Without without the right roll, it's not good. But Jersey Mike's, they got the official like hoagie rolls from Philly, and it's good. Hmm, that's not where I thought this conversation was gonna go. Well, I had to bring it back to Jersey. See, it was all strategy. my fault. Stupid. I'd rather talk about people that don't like me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why the the James Davis guy. I can't remember what it was for, but it was it, it was it was from the heart. Uh-huh. It wasn't like he was mad at something one little bit. I was like, "Whoa, this guy really don't like me." I gotta look that up. I want to find out what it was. It was a, it was either tweet or Instagram. I can't remember. But he went in pretty good. I was like, "This." I don't really know who he was. I had to look him up. And everybody so, talk, I talked to like we hang around a lot of the same people. I was like, "That's weird." James is pretty pretty established. He's a good writer. He has a a, a special on Comedy Central. He's That's still- what seems so weird. Like I think it was something I said that he was offended, and I was thinking. We don't get offended. Mm-hmm. Comedians, 
I just, it's almost like when my, when my brother passed away, the week after he died, SNL did a commercial about heroin. Mm. Like they were talking about heroin and how heroin, and, but they were accurate. That's how heroin addicts act, right? And people were like, hit me up like, are you going to start a boycott against SNL? I go, for what? And they were sending me the sketch because he died of a heroin overdose. And I go, no. I go, that's... He was a million heroin addicts. Exactly. I was yeah. like, they didn't, they didn't write that in air at saying Gary's brother just died. I was like this. And it was fucking accurate. Right. I was like, that's how they act. <laughs> they do <Damn>. steal. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like this. Yeah. So I was like, I don't, we just don't, I don't get offended by anything. Have you, so you said James, um, he came at you about something you said on stage. Have you ever said something that in hindsight you were like, maybe I shouldn't have said that joke? Even like any, even 15 years ago. Like, I don't um, know. I've been pretty, pretty good at knowing how far to push the envelope without going too far. Mm -hmm. Like you said, there's no way I could be doing, my brand of humor for as long as I have, right, and not been quote unquote canceled, right. You know, even the social media stuff when people get mad at something you say, I'm mm -hmm. like this. Those they're just people just. Want, I think we're in a state where people just want to be mad. Now, do you find this true with stand up when people be like, um, with the cancel culture we got now and millennials getting upset with everything? I find when I'm on the road, it's still anything goes inside a comedy club. I'm like this. Everybody, they wanted to make the uncomfortable right. brought up, whereas social media, they want to get mad at everything. But I'm like, stand-up-wise, I can still kind of say whatever I want. Yeah, but I do, I have noticed uh, a difference of reactions to certain things that I may say or, you know, things like still the LGBT jokes or whatever, and, and nothing I ever say is an attack. But if I talk about anything like that or even if I talk about... Uh, fat people mm -hmm. sometimes like I have a I have a joke about fat and some fat joke shit like in the beginning of my set and I've seen me lose the crowd for a couple minutes and this is the fucking beginning of it but the joke is so funny to me I just don't care I just do the shit this is when you're doing clubs or you're doing in arenas clubs. Oh, in, just clubs. in clubs I mean arenas it's just that's too easy it's the clubs that are are more difficult at this point in my career because you have to actually connect with the audience when you do an arena, you know, you just kind of into space. They got the the jumbotron, the big ass screen above you. And I live off of facial expressions. So all of that shit is just a plus for me. So the it's the comedy clubs. I I mean, I'm still gonna say whatever I wanna say because nothing I, I feel like nothing I say on stage is gonna get me canceled. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But I do notice the difference in reaction. Uh, since that cancel culture and since, you know, you can't say certain things. But I don't give a fuck. See, you, because you've always been kind of dark. Your stand-up, you know what I mean? Yeah. I wouldn't go see Naeem without, like I said, there's expectations. Like, mm -hmm. oh, he's going to say some shit to almost get the reaction. Not, It's not even for the laugh. Sometimes I feel like you're going for the shock factor. Oh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's a little yeah. dark. Yeah. I, Romney was the one when we shot the first thing like a man. Uh -huh. He brought you up out of left field. He goes, Yo, Gary, you know this guy, Naeem Lynn? He didn't ask Kevin, he asked me. I go, uh -huh. Yeah. He goes, That guy's so fucking dark, bro, but I love it. 
It's so fucking dark, man. You know what? You know who always calls me dark? Uh, Jaleel White. Yesterday or two days ago, he posted something on Instagram, and it's like, um, who loved their girl the most? And it was him and Laura. It was um, uh, Alan Payne and... and um, from what, House of Pain? No, yeah. What's Will Smith's wife? Jada Pink, Alan Payne and Jada Pinkett and, oh, and Jason's Jason lyric. lyric. It was Baby Boy, you know, Tyrese and Taraji, mm-hmm. and like a few other people. And then it was Forrest and Jenny. And I was like, Forrest, hands down, Jenny had AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> Ride or die. Right. Literally. Right. And he's like, oh, you're so fucking dark. I'm like, but he did. She had AIDS. Who wasn't? Confirmed. Wasn't it was it? AIDS because there are people in the comments like it was hepatitis C. No, it was AIDS because the writer, uh, I think his name was Eric something. He said in 2001 he was supposed to have a. He said 9/11 is what made him not do a part two because he was meeting with somebody to talk about the script that he had written and in the, in the script that he wrote, Young Forrest, the son, had AIDS. His mom had passed it along to him, and he was like... So Haley Joe Osment. Right. <laughs> That's a lie, because he's heavy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like this. They had to recast that yeah, role. Right. <laughs> right. That's funny as shit. But yeah, uh, it was AIDS. Hmm. Full-blown AIDS. Because I remember watching <laughs> Forrest Gump thinking, it's AIDS, but then it never got confirmed. It was, it was like, implied everywhere, but it never got it was like... Easy E AIDS. It was full-blown. She died right after. <laughs> but he didn't, he never got it. Forrest never got it, as because, far as we know. Because Forrest got her pregnant, and then she left after they had sex. Mm-hmm. Remember? Because mm-hmm. he came like in two seconds. Yeah. Then she left, and then she came back when she, she was saw sick. Him. Yeah. She, she didn't get it from him. She got it from the needles or something. But I thought she was starting to clean herself up by the time. Yeah. I figured she would have got it before. cleans herself up after AIDS. Yeah, but I figured before <laughs> she fucked Forrest, that's when she was wild and wilding. No, that's why she left him because she was the drugs was calling her. Mm. Gotta you gotta watch the movie again. It was Clearly, eight. I missed all that. <laughs> I was like this. The drug that's why she left him? Yep. I just thought she she wanna be with somebody slow. Like, this guy's amazing, but ah he's coming so fast and he's doing all this weird shit. Yeah, that's that is one of the best movies. Written. That was the best year of movies, I think. What was that? Ninety five. What was that? I don't that was Pulp Fiction, Shawshank Redemption, Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the best years of just iconic film. Oh no, that was ninety four, because not ninety five was Braveheart. Or am I flipping it? No, you're right. Braveheart was that year too. Ninety four was Forrest Gump. Okay. Yeah, ninety four was Forrest Gump, Shawshank, um, Pulp Fiction. That was that year? That was a good year, movies. Because I was, I was talking to um, Deb Aquila, who's a casting director, mm-hmm. and she cast it Forrest Gump. Or no, no, I'm sorry. She cast it uh, Shawshank. Mm-hmm. And she said, like, Shawshank didn't crush at the box office. Shawshank kind of blew afterwards. Right. But there were so many iconic performances. She said, everybody's getting ready for the Oscars. And she literally said, I saw a screen of Forrest Gump and called everybody... Attached to Shawshank goes, I mean, get your tux, but ain't nobody winning. <laughs> uh, Forrest Gump's about to sweep the Oscars. He, he killed that shit. Hey, did you hear uh, Dave Chappelle's story about how he was supposed to play Bubba? No. You never heard that? No. 
Yeah, he said that, um, it, uh, you know, I guess when you're reading the script, <laughs> you see it's like the fucking 60s or 70s, and it's a slow black dude, whatever, and he was just like, you know, Dave has always been, he's always been political, uh, more so now, of course, but he said he turned down the role because he thought he was going to be like some crazy-talking black dude, and... I mean, the dude that played it fucking killed it, of course. You oh can't even see God. anybody else as Bubba. No. But I wonder how he would have done in that role. And that, that probably fucked his whole career up. Because what's he done since? Dave? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like this. Right. <laughs> Brian Dunkelman. Did you do summer camp? Did you ever go this summer? I, Chappelle's summer camp? Oh, no. I, oh, no. I didn't go. I didn't yeah. go. Kev, didn't, he didn't take us. It was like a Woodstock for comedians. Yeah. It was funny because I was supposed to do the very first one before it became summer camp mm -hmm. and i got the phone call i guess they thought i still lived in cincy full time mm -hmm. and they was like hey uh can you be in yellow springs at eight it's like <laughs> four i'm like this <laughs> i can't fly cross country that oh we thought you was in ohio still i go no they go and literally this is how they brought it to me dave's doing something like in a park mm -hmm. or something and he's just trying to get a couple guys together i was like who really this is who reached out to you my agent, UTA. And they Maybe didn't up. even fucking know you moved? They just didn't know where I was because, okay. you know, sometimes I'll be in Ohio and sometimes right, I'll be right, in California. Right. They go, Gary, where you at right now? I they go, ah, forget it. I go, why, what's up? Mm -hmm. They told me, I go, dang. I said, let me check flights, though. <laughs> There's only a few people that when they call, yeah. you go. Yeah. And then I was like, I can't make it. And then when I end up doing it and Dave brought up, he goes, man, I tried to get you for the first one. He goes, I wanted to make it like an Ohio thing. Yeah. All the guys from Ohio, and then it just kind of now I guess he's in Austin. Who else is from Ohio? I'm, I mean, I know Cat? Steve Harvey. Cat, Cat's from Ohio? Cincinnati. Oh, I knew that. I did know that. I did. Yeah, that. there was like Cat, Steve, um, Overton. Yeah. John, what is <laughs> John Hinton. Yeah, John Hinton. <laughs> Arsenio. Yeah. Uh, Y'all got, got some guys. No, there, somebody made a poster of, um, and I'm just happy I made it because uh -huh. it wasn't just black comedians. It was like, Big comedians from Ohio, and I didn't realize somebody go, damn, damn, I didn't realize that shit. Yeah. Tom Segura. I like Tom. Um, why am I brain farting? Josh Sneed, who's not as big, but a funny dude who has some Comedy Central specials. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a, I remember back in 2004, I said this a couple weeks ago on the podcast, I, I tried to reach out to Dave and Kat, go, let's do like a new Ohio players. Mm -hmm. And like the next month, they both blew. I went, Oh, I guess that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> this is when everybody was kind of like bubbling, everybody doing all right. Did Cat do it? Did he do Dave's show? I don't think Cat ever did uh, think, uh, summer camp. I guess now it's in Austin. Now it's winter camp. Now they're just in. So how did he set that up? Which one? The Austin one. I, I said, like, there's only a few comics out there that can just, he's at this place called Stubbs, which is basically a barbecue restaurant, but they have live bands. Oh, is it outdoor? Yeah. Okay. And you can eat outdoors. And Dave and I guess Joe Rogan are together because Joe lives out there now too. And mm -hmm. they're just doing shows. Probably charging an arm and a leg. Joe and getting Rogan it. is fucking killing, man. He is fucking killing. Have you ever done his podcast? No. He yeah. don't know me. I, I've been brought up about five times, but I never get asked. Judd Apatel brought me up. Hey, you, Gary Owens a funny dude. Kev brought me up. Gary's funny. I was mm -hmm. like this. Hey, Joe. <laughs> 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 not happening but that's how this business is crazy how you know when we got when we got in the business it was get on sitcom or hopefully get in a movie and that's how you blow mm -hmm. and nowadays 
There's so many different outlets. You don't yeah. know where it's coming. People you can't tell me, Joe. Shit. Huh? People are doing their own shit. Facts. Look at Kev on stage and Desi Banks. I did Kev on stage show a couple weeks ago. That uh, so in crowd. What's it's, that? It's called Keep Your Distance. Uh, yeah. So what he what he does is he has an audience, a live audience of like twelve people outside, and then he uh, he live streams it on YouTube, and like tickets range from like thirteen to twenty dollars. Is it on tape? Like can so they reproduce he, it? He has his own streaming app, streaming service that he just started, an app or something, mm -hmm. and he offered to pay me more to be on that, but I turned it down. I'd be so worried about somebody like putting my material out there. Well, you're only ready. doing you're only doing ten minutes. So if somebody was to copy what I did on there and and repost it, I mean I could really I can get that shit taken off. But it's it's only ten minutes. But I'm not going to make it easy for somebody to have access to it because I'm about to shoot something else. Yeah. So it was very very innovative. I know I I, I don't know how many ticks he sold on my show. But somebody sent me a screenshot that was watching it, and at that specific time when I was on stage, there was fifty six hundred people watching. Wow! And I know on the sh the show before mine, I know at one point he had ten thousand people watching. That's crazy. So he's making like buku bucks doing this shit once a month, man. Well, I had him on the podcast. So I had Tony Baker on. Mm. Cause I knew Tony, mm -hmm. so I knew Tony was running with Tahir and Kev, and I was like, um, "Can you give me his number? See if he wants to come on." Mm -hmm. So he came on. That's one of my high, most viewed and watched podcasts yeah. was me and Kev, and I did most of the talking because like he he was asking me questions, right. and I was like, I give long answers. Mm -hmm. And some of his fans is like, yo, I came to see you interview Kev. He's interviewing you. I go, dude, it's a podcast. Yeah. But I did talk a lot that podcast. <laughs> I said, I got to have Kevin back when I'm not talking so much. Yeah. Kev is, yo, he's self-made, man. He really pushed the social media thing. And he's just, he's killing right now. I'm proud of him. Proud of him. Were you ever one of those guys like, because um, you were about, you know, we started about the same time where, you know, when podcast first started, I was like, I ain't doing no podcast, man. And then, you know, you get those social media comics that are starting to do stand-up dates in the clubs. Yeah. I've always felt like I just want to figure out when other people are doing successful shit, mm. I just try to be like a, a fly on the wall and be like, what'd they do? And how can, I, how can I incorporate that without taking anybody's ideas into how I can help my fan base mm. or make money on my own? Were you ever one of those, like, those, they ain't real stand-ups, those social media guys? Um... When it first started, my whole thing was like, yo, they're not really, they, they're not funny. They can't get on stage, and a lot of them couldn't get on stage and, and like do what we do. But then I started to realize that it didn't matter. I, it was never really hate because it was just a different lane, and I wasn't losing any money because of it. Mm -hmm. But I started to realize that being a social media influencer or a social media comic is a talent within itself. Facts. That's a whole different talent. And even if they do get on, they get on stage and sell out a club. Uh, they don't have to be super funny because the people that come to see them just want to see them be who they are on social media, mm -hmm. or just see them. Period. A lot of yeah. these people are young people that have never even been to a comedy show before. They don't even know what to expect. Yeah. So they're just excited about their seeing this person that they are stand for in person. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I congratulate them. It's not what I do. It's not what I aspire to do. 
my agent has been on me heavy lately about doing a podcast, and I want to, but it's like, I mean, I kind of already do, I do radio already, and it's kind of like, all right, we talk about so many things on there, like I have to find an angle to come through when I do a, um, a podcast, and a guest is really important. Guests, having a guest, even when we do radio, like I, I love when we have a guest, which is not too often, but when we do, it's always fun because I like to ask questions that, you know, are not the typical everyday questions. When we do radio interviews or any type of interview, they always ask the same shit. What made you want to get into comedy? Mm-hmm. You know, how long you been doing it? The stuff that you get tired of asking and then the, then the conversation will lead to Kevin. How long you been working with him? So I like when people ask me different things. And so when I interview someone, I always look for that that shit that nobody's like I ask people like how old were you when you lost your virginity and then tell me about mm-hmm. that experience 19 oh, you were 19 mm-hmm. <laughs> I was late bloomer I, was, I fingered a lot of girls <laughs> I just didn't whip my dick out <laughs> I was I was 16 and I could have lost it when I was 13 but I was fucking scared same I could have lost it in 8th grade yeah that was eight, I was 8th grade a too. bunch of dudes um what taking turns on a girl oh okay she was just literally she was just in the bed like who's next and I'm like what the fuck you go to my trailer park shit pops off early I just I remember the girl we it was over we had this old rundown house in mm-hmm. front of the trailer park a house and, in front of the trailer yeah, park yeah yeah mm-hmm. cuz you know the trailer park we back but there was houses in front of the trailer park right all run down. They should have been in the trailer park. The mm-hmm. house on the inside looked like a trailer. <laughs> there was trailers nicer than that on the inside. Uh-huh. And I just remember this one dude was from a different school, couple years older, smooth-talking dude, too. He's probably in jail, I'm guessing. <laughs> and he got one of the girls from the trailer park to just... I couldn't believe it was happening. You knew, like, you knew the girl? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I walk, we walked together to the house, and then we walked back, uh-huh. right? And then they, wait, the day that they ran the train, you walked... It wasn't a train. Everybody just took turns. That's like, a, next. That's a train. Well, a train is like two dudes fucking no, around no, the same no, time. No, 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 A train is one per... One, uh, what do you call One car after the next. It's like, you go, then... Well, what, what's two guys on a girl? Menage that's a trois. gangbang. Gangbang. Sorry about that. I learned a lot today. <laughs> <laughs> it was a train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, sorry. My car got disconnected. It's only a menage a trois when it's two, two women. Right, two women. And two guys is a gangbang, and then one woman with this just guy after guy is a train. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. I don't participate in any of that shit, because that's going to come back one day. Somebody, we never. Somebody's going to go to jail over that shit one day. You never want two dicks in the room. Ex- exactly. That's my thing. Like Exactly. Ah, even back then. I knew better. Yeah. So the train's happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just couldn't believe you were, it. Were you supposed to be the caboose? You I was. I, you look, to last. I I don't know how I got out of it because uh-huh. it's peer pressure, man. When they're like, "Yo," there was only like three of us. Okay. Like, uh, there was four guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was four guys and then her. And I just I, I remember I was like in eighth grade. I was just I was in awe that it was happening. I was mm-hmm. like, and hold on, it wasn't like. Um, there was any anything like there was no panting, there was no moaning. The dude literally was just pumping away, talking like, "So you smoke Marlboro Red, or which one?" <laughs> like, like they're still talking about cigarettes and hey, like, to the girl or to each other, to each other. Like the okay. guy's talking to the girl, like, "Yeah, you heard Metallica's new album? <laughs> yeah, man, fucking Inner Sandman's crazy." <laughs> and she just answered, "I'm like," and then the, he got done. Then the next guy went in and I go. 
what the fuck is that? Uh-huh. And then they go, they go, hey, Gary. I was like, I gotta go. My, I gotta be home for dinner or something. And then I remember she was like, yeah, I gotta go too. I was like, all right. And then we just walked back. Like nothing uh, happened. I was like, <laughs> you, and looking back, I go, you literally just had three dicks on you. <laughs> but there was, it was like a dirty bed. It wasn't made. It was yeah. like clothes in the corner. It was a disgusting house. And you I lose just, your virginity. It gotta, it kind of gotta be planned. You can't just like be out and like, oh shit, it's, it's pussy time. Like you can't. Losing your virginity? <laughs> yeah. How do you, how, you want to explain yours? I'll explain mine. Oh yeah. With mine. 16, right? I was 16. And I, I actually had an opportunity to, from 13 to 16, one, at once a year, but I, I just couldn't. Christmas? It was, it was, <laughs> I was just like, it was with girls I knew were experienced. And in my younger years, before, all the way till I started doing stand-up, I was like afraid of getting like a bad rap about anything. Like a, a we, I used to call them a BDR, a bad dick report. Mm. You know, because I, I never want somebody to say like, Oh, he didn't know what he was doing because I just couldn't handle embarrassment at that age. So, but when I was 16, at this time, I'm like, man, the next piece of pussy that come out, I, I, you know, you humping everything by that time, you ain't had none. So I'm like, all right, I'm at the park playing ball and I see this girl, you know, she had a, a nice 15-year-old body, you know, for, for me at my age looking at it, not now. You got to be specified that shit. Mm. And... um I was like, I asked my boy, I said, who that? He's like, oh, that's such and such. Uh, you know, blah, 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 hit that. And I was like, for real? I just went and started talking to her, and I got a number, and the next day she was over my house. And um, oh, I, I didn't masturbate. I still don't. But I, I had never, I had never. Why not, dude? I, just, I, need, a, I need a stranger. Hmm. I had never busted nut while being awake before. I had wet dreams, but I had never busted that while being awake. <laughs> so, so we got into it. I came on myself, and I didn't even know that could fucking happen. So I'm like, oh, shit, I'm about to not get pussy again. So I didn't know how long it takes to get back up. You know, I'm just panicking or whatever. I'm, how old are you, 16? I was 16. Uh, two minutes at 16. <laughs> I don't, it probably took maybe like 15 minutes, but it seemed like forever because I was wanted to get up again so bad. And then we did it, you know. She enjoyed it. Didn't it's, give you a BDR? Nope. Well, no, nah, she never said anything. I don't know what the fuck did she said. Did she re-show up at the basketball courts? I <laughs> saw her again in school, but we only had sex that one time. And uh, the crazy thing about it was after I busted a nut, I just felt like I just wanted her to leave. Oh, we've been leave. all been there, brother. Yo, I, so we had two two house phones in my house, right? So I went downstairs and called the phone upstairs and ran upstairs and answered it. And I was like, oh, you on your way home now? <laughs> Act like it was my mom. I, I was like, it was just me. <laughs> I, was like, I, I think emotionally you're not ready as a teenager. Uh, most most had, guys. She had to go. I was like, oh, my mom's on her way home. So, you know. That's crazy. I thought it was just me. The first couple times, I'm just like. I just wanted them to be gone. Yeah. Like, I want to be by myself. I'm completely not interested in you anymore. Yeah. I thought it was just me. I think it's just... I thought sex was overrated because it was the first three, four times. Mm -hmm. I was like this. Dude, how are people married? Right. Because as soon as I nut, I am done. I told one girl I had a dentist appointment and it was like (laughs) 3.30 in the morning. (laughs) I was like this. I got a dentist appointment. She's like this. What? I go. Yeah, it's six at six a.m. So I got to get going to the dentist. <laughs> she, I think but, she knew. But that feeling, that 
feeling right after, I mean, it kind of sticks with you. It's not just when you, it sticks with you through life. It's just that when you're in a relationship with somebody, you're just like, oh, you can stay. Yeah. Isn't that weird? <laughs> the first, do you remember the first girl that you was like, yo, I want you to stay? It was probably the, the first real girlfriend that I had. Like, you know, I had girlfriends, but the first one was, you know, it was like, yo, I'm now having sex often. And that wasn't until I was like 21. I was the first, I had a couple girls in college, but the first real, real girlfriend, and that's when I, I got that feeling. And then I remember later, a few years later, when I was single, while I was trying to do my thing, and then I had a girl that I thought I would want to be going after, and then she just was so cool. That's all, those are the best when they catch you off guard. Like, you know mm-hmm. what? I kind of like this motherfucker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you're 16 years old, nutted on yourself ready for her to leave, go downstairs, make a phone call. Right. Let me see. I was 19, and I was in the Navy. And the guy I was in the, the barracks with, he had a girlfriend, and, and she always had a friend over. Uh-huh. And the friend clearly liked me. Uh-huh. And I was a virgin, so I was acting like I wasn't interested, but I was more, like you said, worried yeah, that a BDR and, fuck, I didn't know. Just not know what I didn't know, I didn't know I'm sticking the right hole. Right. I was worried about that. Like, <laughs> yeah. fuck. And then everybody was drinking. I got set up. We're all in the barracks drinking. They left, my roommate. And, his, and then me and the girl started to mess around. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget. I just, I wasn't using protection, anything. I didn't even know. I was like, oh, fuck, my dick is in her pussy. Like, wow. <laughs> right. It was so fast, Naeem. I was mm-hmm. like this. Like, my face, and she goes, are you coming? I go, yeah. And I started to pull out, and she goes, already? And I went, get out. <laughs> like, I nutted all over and was like, get yeah. out. <laughs> and then she was knocking on the door, my barracks door, and I'm not answering. And then she was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right. I was like, would you stop fucking saying you're sorry? Just please, please. Why did this girl, she end up dating when you brought girls back to the barracks in DC, uh-huh. it was like wild. It was like wild lions on a wildebeest. Just I can imagine. So yeah. all these teenagers, boys that are all six one, all in good shape, six one or above, just big husky dudes. Uh, they saw her in the hallway. One of them snatched her up. They were dating while that, she was knocking on the door. Yeah. What's up? What's going on? <laughs> All of a sudden, she was dating the guy. I was like, wow, she moved quick, right. moved on. <laughs> but she would always, every time I'd see her, because the my roommate was still dating her friend, uh-huh. so I'd still see her around, and then she'd always apologize. She never gave me BDR. I gave her that. Mm. She just went, sorry, I, just, so I mean, she, it hurt your feelings. <laughs> oh, that's so she was apologizing for saying already. Yeah. yeah. But she had every right. Yeah. I, but I didn't want to be like, oh, this is my first time. That... You know what? The the person that I lost my virginity to, she doesn't know that she till this day, she does not know that she took my virginity. Oh, you wanna give her a shout out? No. <laughs> <laughs> she, hey Cheryl! She has no idea and, you, and your girl doesn't know either. No, she but I'm sure she's got eight kids. <laughs> she she got around them uh-huh. barely. I didn't realize they they had the girls had a name. Um, cause you know, I was in the honor guard in DC. Mm-hmm. So there was, what's, what's that? What's presidential honor? honor guard. We did like the funerals and parades. Oh, okay. Uh, we did like, I did like Clinton's inauguration. Mm-hmm. You ever see the guys that are white spinning the rifles? Yeah. yeah. White gloves and all that shit. So I was, I was one of those guys. Mm-hmm. There was girls that were just, I mean, you had to have a security badge to get on the, the base, but there was girls that would just kind of get 
they went they dated and slept with a lot of guard guys. Right. We had our we had our own groupies, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I don't know where these girls came from, but it was not uncommon to see a girl in a different barracks room, like, oh, you're dating him now. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're with him now. It was just crazy. She she ended up being one of those girls. I was like this. Literally, there was three boyfriends. In wow. the two years I was there, I was like, oh, <laughs> I guess I was the first. <laughs> you were in the Navy for two years? Huh? You were in the Navy? For, or Six. Or you were in D.C. for two D- years? D.C. D- for two years. And I didn't, I didn't realize how much I enjoyed that city until I left. D.C.? But you got to realize, I, like it was, I didn't have a lot of money then. The military guys hang out at certain military bars, mm-hmm. and you just didn't realize it. And then you come back as a comedian. I was like, oh, this city one of my favorites. Yeah. DC's just dope. Did you ever think you would date a black woman? I always knew. Yeah. That's all I liked. Was this girl you talking about black? Uh mixed. Okay. Yeah. But it didn't act mixed. Act white as shit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I always knew. Always liked black girls. Didn't yeah. grow up around black girls, but always liked them. You just watching them on TV, like, let me get me one of them. <sighs> you don't even know. <laughs> you don't even who, know. Who was your childhood crush? Probably Janet from Different Strokes. Janet Jackson? Yeah, yeah. And she was dating Willis. And 2D. Charlene. That was her Charlene. name. Damn, Charlene. Damn, I took it back. Obviously, Thelma was... that. Good Times was off the air, but they was on like at 3 o'clock in the afternoon when I got Three home from school. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, and same with Facts of Life. So between 2D and Thelma, mm-hmm. that was the interest. Right. And then, same with Different Strokes. They was on during the day. But I think my number one, if I was like, would be Pam Greer in the 70s. Her she was body bad. was yeah. un and just natural. Oh, if I could go back in time and just, you can be with one woman. Mm-hmm. Fantasy, Pam, Pam Greer in the seventies. Did you ever hear? Uh, and I, I have no idea how true this story is, but I heard something about Richard Pryor putting cocaine on his dick and fucked her. I yeah. heard. You heard about that? Yeah, I heard that story too. Dude, Richard was doing some Richard wild was shit. Fucking nuts. He was doing some wild shit. Yeah, <laughs> I've never been that wild. You know what? I don't think I've ever wanted to be that wild. Me neither. I've never done any drugs. I've never done shit. I took an edible one time. Never smoked weed? I've never smoked a cigarette. I've never smoked a cigarette. I've smoked weed a few times. That's it. Mm. Nothing else. Nothing else crazy. Never did cocaine. You know what kept me from doing cocaine? Lem bias. Lem bias kept you from doing cocaine? Uh Uh-huh. Because him passing away and I was like in elementary school Mm. when that happened, it scared me. Like... They made it sound like he never did cocaine and, and did a line and died. And, died yeah. and I was like, I'll never do cocaine. To this day, that's what I think about. That's why I've like never been offered it a million times. Uh-huh. Never. So I'm like, I always think, I don't, I don't want to have a reaction. Right. I don't, I don't like to be out of control. Yeah. Like people say, hey, take some mushrooms. I'm like, what's it do? And you just feel like you're in the clouds floating. I go, I don't want to feel like that. That hallucinogen shit scares the shit out of me. All of that stuff scares me. I did, I did an edible one time. I was high for thirty fucking hours. Jesus Christ! I was high for thirty hours. How potent was that edible? It was a brownie, and I only and now, I've seen all of the movies, and they're like, well, "How much did you eat?" You know. <laughs> <laughs> so I already knew not to eat too much. I ate a quarter of a brownie. The brownie, it wasn't even that fucking big. I ate a quarter of the brownie. Fell asleep. And I didn't feel anything, so I fell asleep, and I woke up, and I went to the bathroom, and I was like, oh, shit. I was, felt like I was shrinking. I looked, was looking in the mirror. You've been high before, so you mm-hmm. smoke weed. So you know the difference between being high and drunk is that, well, for me anyway, when, I, when I'm drunk, 
I'm like, I'm fucked up. I may not remember a couple things. I know when I'm going to be sober. Mm-hmm. With the weed, I just didn't know when it was going to end. I was like, when the fuck does this shit end? I laid down. I could barely sleep. I was high all night. The next day, I was still high. I threw the shit up, and I still was fucking high. I was like, I'm never doing that again. Never. Mm. You got me beat. I've never been that high. It, it was It was horrible. I've been drunk as fuck before. I didn't start drinking until I was 27. Well, that's like, well, like Lil Duval, all of a sudden he was, I don't drink, I don't smoke, and then all of a sudden he just starts smoking weed, and mm-hmm. he, he's the weed man now. It's like, he didn't start until like four or five years ago. That's crazy. I know people like that. I was like, you were the guy that like was faking people out for the longest Duval, because mm-hmm. you think he'd be wilding on the road, and he's like, I was like you don't drink at all? Mm-mm. He would just be like, <laughs> it's like this. Then all of a sudden, he's just high all day. I thought he was faking it. Mm-hmm. I thought he was just like playing a sketch. He's really smoking now all the time. Man, it's the company you keep. <clears throat> all it takes is for one, somebody to finally get you to do it. Peer pressure lasts forever, man. You finally get you to do it. Kev got me to start drinking because it was just like, yo, it, it'd be a bet. Or, or oh, we have a good show tonight and you got to take a shot. Come on, man, chill. And finally, I just took a shot one day. And then after you take the shot, for me, it was like, I wonder how much it's, it's going to take for me to feel something. Because I didn't feel shit off of one shot. Mm-hmm. Then I, I took two shots. And I still didn't feel nothing. I said, all right, three must be my number. And then one night, I got to that third one. And I was like, okay. But for me, the drinking, the reason why I like to drink, because the confidence... When you got that buzz, you know what I'm saying? Just give you a different level of confidence. Um, Do you, can you drink before you go up? I drink while I'm performing. Oh, I can't. See, different than me. I gotta. I like to think I'm in the right frame of mind. I can. I can only drink I don't after get, I'm. I off. don't get there. It's just like it's almost like a. Um, it's almost part of my joke now. Like with a punchline, I'll take a sip of a drink. It's kind of sometimes just to make sure that I don't need it. Like it's not a crutch. I'll go on stage without it. Like I, I actually have this conversation. Like. Let me go on stage with some water, or let me go on stage with nothing, just to make sure I'm not dependent on this shit. What are you drinking? Usually, I do like either vodka or tequila with a Red Bull. Any particular vodka? I prefer kettle. I like I like Ciroc. I like kettle. I like Tito's, and that's pretty much it. If I do a flavor of vodka, it got to be Ciroc. But if I do plain, then like kettle and Red Bull is my go-to, and then tequila. I like like Casamigos uh, Reposado. Mm-hmm. And Red Bull, that's my shit. You ever had Casa Dragos? Nah, it's pretty good. Casa Dragos, it's you know, it's so many. It's more tequila than any other type of liquor. Yeah, that one's that one's pretty good. Casa, is it like a, a top shelf? Is it expensive? Mm-hmm. I got some for my birthday, and then then when I did Chappelle's summer camp, they busted out a bottle, and I go, oh shit, I got that. I got way too excited. I go, I got that for my fucking birthday, and I go, oh shit, sorry, I'm no one else is excited for me. That's another person that didn't drink or smoke. I think, oh, I mean, he smoked cigarettes, but he didn't drink or smoke weed. Dave, yeah, he, he didn't he say it on the special because I didn't tell all you motherfuckers that I was right. crazy. <laughs> Maybe start drinking. What's the deal? Okay, so I had Aerie Spears on a couple months ago. Okay. What was the deal with you two? Because I tried to, I, I asked Aries and I go, he said something about, I said, well, you know, Naeem is going to defend Kevin. I said, he better defend Kevin. I mm-hmm. said, because if my guys that work with me don't defend me, we got a problem. Right. So I was like, and Aries, he even said, he goes, yeah, yeah. I said, what do you want him to say? Of course Naeem's going to defend Kevin. Mm-hmm. 
You know, what was that all about? I mean, basically that. He said something about um, he tried to discredit Kev's legacy and his his worth as a comic bot because he said that he had writers. Hmm. And the the accusation was that he has a whole bunch of writers in the back of the room with a with a laptop. And the truth of the matter is Kevin creates his own material. He has two guys, Harry and uh, Joey, who may record, well, well, Quan is recording it, but he they listen to his set and they may give him a tag like all comedians do to each other. Mm-hmm. Or it may be something where he talks, they have powwows after he gets off stage. And they're just like, yeah, you should try this, or here, this is good. But it's very seldom that a, a complete bit is coming from one of them. Right. That hasn't happened in years. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where I didn't like that. It's, it's like, bro, why you even care? Just mm-hmm. worry about your shit. Worry about, you know, if that's what's, if you think that's what's working for him, then you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just like, why do you even care? So, and when I did, when I did the video, I didn't even really come at him like that. And then it was another thing about um, Richard Pryor having writers and then Eddie Murphy having writers. And I did my due diligence before I even said something about it because when you look at Raw in the credits, it says Robert Townsend and Keenan Ivory Wayne. So yeah. I, I reached out to Robert Townsend and I asked him, did they actually write? And he said, Keenan, he said it was more so Keenan and Keenan didn't even add that much, but there's a little bit that came from Keenan. And then he said with him, it was just like, you know, just watching and giving each other tags, just having a power like comedians do. But he said, for the most part, it was Eddie. I'm like, okay, it's the same thing with Kevin. But he tried to attack me, you know, uh, he he brought up something about how Kevin hasn't put me in anything, and I don't remember everything he said, but when he first said it, I was like, I, you know, the instant reaction is to fire back. And, you know, all my friends were like, man, just ignore that shit. And I was like, okay, I'll ignore it. And then if we see each other, then, you know, if he want to have some words, then we can have some words. But I wasn't about to get back, go back and forth with this debate, you know. He was like, "What? What's the dude's name? Naeem Lin. Like, you don't know me, but you know my whole name. Like, dude, you know who I am. <laughs> you know who the fuck I am." But I mean, Ari Spears has even said himself that he's missed out on opportunities because of his personality, and he blames it on New York and you know the way he he does. And he's a guy that had early success and could have continued to have success, but you ruined your relationships. So now you're doing these interviews and you're attacking the people that are successful right now. Like, you know, other comedians have attacked Kevin. I'm just like, why? Why are we doing that? I brought it up when I had him on and I've had other comics on. I brought it up and I go, um, the thing about it is I said, I said, sometimes Aries, I said, sometimes you fall for the bait too. Mm-hmm. You'll do Sway or you'll do Breakfast Club. I always do it like in a joke. Like, mm-hmm. what do you think of him? I go, I'm just the funniest. So what do right, you right. say? Right. Where Aries like he's see, like he comes across like serious and aggressive, and I go, "You're taking the bait, man." Mm-hmm. I go, "We listen. We all like can say whatever we want about comics." I go, "But don't do it in front of the camera." I go because you never know when your name's coming up behind closed doors. Right. I go, and you don't want to ruin an opportunity. And they're like, "Oh, he's thinking about you for this project." Well, he just talks shit about you. And then and you're gone. And like even this. though and Kevin is one of those people that could not only, he can prevent you from doing his shit, he can prevent you from doing other people's shit. 
he's not that guy, thank God. Mm-hmm. But there's people that are bitter like that that could really do it. You know, Bill Cosby. Oh, I'm sorry. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you know, it it's in the black community we have this thing where we just talk about how black people always want to tear down each other, and we say white comics don't do that shit. So. It's like, why are you... This dude is self-made. This dude worked his ass off to get to where he is. Regardless if you think he's funny or not, he earned this shit. Mm-hmm. He earned it. He he hit at the right time, the social media time. He took advantage of it. And he's just delivered time after time. The people that don't like his latest work on the stand-up, it doesn't matter because he's a movie star. So it's still going to be other people giving him a chance. Whatever. People would say what they, they say what they want to say. This dude is true to who he is. He talks about things that he can relate to at this point in his life. And as a comedian, we can only talk about what we're going through. Mm-hmm. So with his last special, I've told him to his face, I said, yo, you fucked up by calling it zero fucks given because you have you created this this idea to the fans. You this you put you put the shit up here by saying zero fucks given. So people were expecting this edgier version of you and you to say things maybe like remember like Jimmy Fox did I might need security, mm-hmm. and then that special delivered something shit that said oh that he might need security after this shit. Yeah. He's talking about everybody. Yeah, and that's not what he presented in his special. So if you would have called it something else, then it wouldn't have got the review the negative reviews that it got. It was just mm-hmm. like, oh, it was funny or, you know Chilling in the living room. Exactly. It'd have been, you know, it would have took the pressure off of what he was delivering <laughs> I, with that title. My, I, when I take offense with mm-hmm. Kevin, is every time he's got a movie come out, he'll be like, uh, I think we've raised the bar on this one. This is my best work ever. I go, hey, Think Like a Man was your best fucking work ever. Right. <laughs> You're just crediting the best movie we've all been in. Right. <laughs> like for, and that is one of his best movies. Oh, for real. Like every time I, when I rewatch it, it's all, everyone in that movie, that's all one of our best movies. It's just a solid movie. Mm-hmm. So every time he has it, I go, I go, really? That wasn't even close. But you know what? <laughs> when he says that, it's not even, it's not even marketing. He truly believes that. He always believes yeah. that. I'm just giving you shit. Work. No, but, I'm just fucking around. No, I know. But- some people say that just because they want to sell the, the, the project. Mm-hmm. He really believes that his latest work is his greatest work. And, you know, it's good to have that confidence. Mm-hmm. I've done some shitty shit. What's your, what's your worst project? I did a pilot for Comedy Central. Oh, my, I'm so glad I didn't get picked up. It was, so, it was 20 years ago. Uh-huh. It was so bad. What was it about? It, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even fucking... I was DJ Budfront. <laughs> I was the DJ, but, but I had like a, this prosthetic butt in the front of me, and it was some off-the-wall comedy. Sh- I don't even know what it's about. Some mm-hmm. kind of sketches for like, I don't even, dude, if I can tell you, I have no idea, but I was, I, even when I was doing it, I go, what are we doing here? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> I was just some DJ, I said some stupid shit, and back, I was like, I, it didn't, I never saw the pilot. They just said it didn't get picked up. I go, yeah. thank God. You know what I mean? I have no idea. I've walked away from a couple they pilots that they wanted to shoot. Mm-hmm. I, I've talked about it in the past. I did one. I had a deal at Fox, and I walked away because I was like, ah, every joke was racial, mm. and I was like, I can't do this, like man. Some modern day Archie Bunker shit. No, no I, that would that would have been brilliant. Mm-hmm. No, this was. They had me sleeping with my wife, going, uh, yeah. Once you go white, you know it's right. And I go, 
Who says that after they fuck? Right. <laughs> Especially somebody <laughs> married. Somebody you've been with for a while. Right. Hey, hey. Then they had like a Hasidic Jew uh-huh. in the sitcom that was taking place in Indianapolis, Indiana. I go, nobody, there's none, they're not there. Yeah. We got Amish, uh-huh. but they're not there. I was like, right. okay, I sh- maybe I shouldn't have hired these guys to be the writers. And even Fox was like, just shoot it and we can change it. I said, I can't. Yeah. I'm, if the show's successful, I'm in business with these guys. That's, that takes a lot of integrity. Right there. I haven't been in a, a position to where I've had to turn anything down. I think sometimes you people get scripts and they look at it and like, yo, this shit is it's going to be okay. And then it comes out and then you're like, oh, this shit is kind of offensive or it's kind of like, you know, you kind of regret doing it. But I've only been in a few things. So I the one show that I did called Survivor's Remorse was a great show. Till this day, people still... You wait, know, wait, wait, wait. Why do I know that show? That was LeBron's shows on Stars. Jesse Usher was yeah yeah. I I think I just watched season one. Yeah, so I did the first. I did the pilot episode, and then I was on once one episode. That's right. I did see you on that. That's right. I was on one episode, season two and three, and then that was a good show. Two episodes. That was about the young guy in the NBA, right? Yep. Yep. That was a good show. It was a good show. And they were showing like titties. Him fucking titties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good titties too. Mm -hmm. I was like this. This is a really good show. <laughs> like you forgot it was like stars or whatever, and I was like, "This, wait, a minute. this yeah. ain't this ain't ABC, is it?" <laughs> it threw me because you forget. Yeah, the, all those all those channels. All that the was a good show. Fucking, and now my new show, um, it's called Assist Living. It's on BT. It's a Tyler Perry show, and um, there's been criticism, of course, but like all shows, but people that have given it a chance are starting to like it more. And we just did season two, so it's going to come back, and it's going to be really good. Like, the first season, it was an adjustment for me, getting the timing down with sitcom, doing a sitcom, mm-hmm. and also um, just figuring it out. Just, you know, I had never done multicam. It was it was mm-hmm. a learning experience, but I got better as the, as the first season went on. And the second season, I came in on fire, so it's good. And how did you get that show on there? Did you have to pitch it to Tyler? No, it was his show. So, okay, I, this is a great story. I'm really big on on manifesting laws of attraction, all of that shit. Like, I live by it, right? So, Tyler Perry saw me perform in Atlanta with Kevin in 2018. And I'm friends with one of the girls who works with him. And so, she's like, oh, man, Tyler thought you were hilarious. You were great, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I said, yeah, tell, tell him to put me on. Like, discover me. And like I'm, I'm dead serious, right? So she sends him a message, and she screenshots his response. He just laughed. And I was like, you know, I'm serious. So maybe like, um, I want to say maybe like five months later, I wake up one morning, and I got these DMs from people at the studio. And they're like, uh, casting wants your number. Two different DMs. I'm like, all right. I gave my number. And then literally 10 minutes later, my phone rings. I'm like, And it's Georgia. I'm like, oh, it's somebody from casting. And it's him. Tyler? He's fucking him. He's like, oh, Naeem, what's going on, man? I love what you do. Love to work with you. Blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, you know, what do you got going on right now? I was like, man, I'm free. Let's do it. He asked me about my exclusivity with Kevin. I said, I can do whatever I want. You know, let's work. He's like, I got this idea for you. Um, I got this show idea I think you'd be good for. And I said, cool. And that was like in May, and I didn't hear anything again until September. I got an audition. And this was, was 2019? Last year. And it was it was that, I read the script. I was like, oh, this is the show he was talking about. And then when I talked to him, he was like, um, what do you think? I was like, it's cool. I said, it's cool. I want. He said, if you don't want to do this, then we'll figure something else out. 
Like he was made me feel like he really wanted to work with me. I was like, man, no, nah, let's do this. I'll do this shit. And he gave me a chance. And now with him, you know, show he's doing five, six seasons minimum. You doing you filming in Atlanta? Yep. We did we filmed in the bubble for season two. Did um when you say the bubble. So he he at Tyler Perry Studios, he made it just like the NBA bubble in Orlando. Nobody's can go in or out. Once you're in, you're you're there. You gotta take a we had to take a test two weeks before we left, 72 hours before we left. And then as soon as we got there, we had to take another one. And um, then it was every four days while we were shooting. And you had to, even though everybody in the bubble tested negative, we still had to wear our masks. It was tough, but did you? Um, it was it was good. Are you single now? You got a girlfriend? I'm married. I didn't know you was married. Yeah. I didn't know you was married. Yeah. My fault. Well, I don't wear a ring. We don't wear one. All right. Well, we're I'm not gonna say I I noticed. I'm not gonna say I didn't notice. I was like this. Oh, I didn't know. How long have you been married? Uh, it'll be four years in March. I was gonna say that'd be rough being in that bubble, <laughs> <laughs> being single. I'd be like this. We can't in Atlanta. We can't go out. Hmm. Listen, they had they talked to us. We had a Zoom meeting. They're like, no fraternizing. This isn't the time to to meet somebody. If you're single, you know none of that shit. So even yeah. if you were single in the book, and, and it's of course there's some decent looking people working there. Mm. You, it's high and by. That's why when the NBA bubble was happening, they tried to get a hoe up in there. Not only that, but everybody's like, um, "Man, these." I was I was cracking up at how the media was like, "These guys are they're leaving their families and their wives." I go, "Let me tell you something. The motherfuckers with the wives are like, oh. right? It's those single motherfuckers <laughs> like, God damn, yeah. what my hoes? <laughs> I go, the married guy like Chris Paul is good. Yeah, he's in his thirties. He's like, all right, I'm focused. I know what I need to do in this bubble. I'm good. They need it's a break those, from their wife anyway. Man. I'm like this. The single guys, mm. they're like this. Oh, fuck. This might get kicked out. <laughs> Couple people. I, listen, if one person got caught, that means 30 didn't. I'm like this. Come on now. We ain't stupid. All right, I asked this to all my guests. If you could work with Naeem, it's Naeem Lynn. They come to you. This is your movie, mm-hmm. and you haven't worked with this person. Is there one person to be your co-star? Who would it be? It depends on. Uh, we got to specify. We're talking comedy, action, drama. It's your movie. My movie. I would like to do a thriller, right? I would want Sam Jackson in it. That's a good choice. I think Will Smith and uh, Denzel's been the most popular. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think you're the first person to say Samuel. He's Sam first. Jackson, hands down. Would you be? I heard. I already so cool. Like I had Tone Bell on last week. I don't know if you watched it. You might have ran into him on the way in, but mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but he was saying he had to test for he he had to test with Samuel for something, mm-hmm. and uh, he said he went in there and Samuel first was like that was gonna be like a normal read, but Tone was really in character. He goes, right. "Oh, this motherfucker trying to work." <laughs> Sam like buttoned up his shirt and uh-huh. shit. Okay, young man, you trying to work? Uh-huh. <laughs> trying to get this job. I always say like someone like Denzel or like Daniel Day Lewis. I said I would be so fucking nervous the first day on set. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I would hope it's a small scene. I would be a sponge, man. I don't think I would be nervous. I think, I think acting is kind of like, um, it's one of those things where you, you're better depending on who you 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 acting with. Mm-hmm. You know, you you want to step your level up, and I just would be a. 
I probably would be a little bit nervous, but I, I think I would be more like just watching every move, just really be a sponge. Mm-hmm. You ever met Sam Jackson? I have, but he probably wouldn't know. I met him like three, four times. Did you have like a, a real conversation or was just like... I didn't want to intrude. Oh, you know, I was on the road with Epps for a long time. Yeah. And uh, we was in New Orleans and Samuel came to the show. Mm-hmm. And I felt like a dick because I did not know he was in Mike's dressing room. Mm-hmm. And so I walked in like that dude, like had nothing to say, but just, I really, I was saying later to Mike, mm-hmm. like show's over and I was just, I, I, I knocked and Mike goes, yeah, I go, hey, what's up, man? He goes, I'll see you tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I looked over, I go, oh, how you doing? And I was like, oh, fuck. And I left the room going, they th- I, I look like that guy. Yeah. Like I just wanted to see Samuel. And I was like, that's not what I wanted. I didn't right. even know he was in the fucking dressing room. Then Sam- I met him once like in 90, 98 when he was oh. doing, um, uh, what was the one? Negotiator. Okay. He was literally in the outfit, he had, had the brown fake wig blood. Uh-huh. Yeah, he had the fake blood. So he was getting shooting a scene and... Um, I don't know what I, what I think I was doing the Wayans brothers. He must have been on the same lot or something. Mm-hmm. He was he came in and was sat down bullshitting with people. Sam, you know how they say you, you should not meet the people that you're a stand of or mm-hmm. somebody that you're like a really big fan of. Sam Jackson was exactly who I wanted him to be. Oh, really? He was exactly, and this is the only time I've ever met somebody. I'm not. I'm fans of people, and I can, I can meet somebody and, and not even say shit or not act like I'm that big of a fan just because I don't want to make shit weird. But it was we were in the right, um, we were in the right situation. Like we were backstage. This is when Kev was filming this special in, in in London, and Sam was there, and we were backstage, and we just got a conversation going. And he was, he was exactly how you think he would be. He was super cool. You know, he's telling me about when he did drugs and shit, and. I was like, I want to work with this dude. I want, matter of fact, I wanted to be my uncle. Yeah, but yeah, it was he was that cool. Wow, that's always dope when you hear stories like that. Yeah, yeah. In London, yeah. we. I was. It's funny you say you're in London and he showed up at the show. I was. I was telling somebody. I, go, I was in uh, Atlanta at the Atlanta Comedy Theater, mm-hmm. and Chappelle came in a couple months after I was there, and it was just for what to perform. Yeah, he was getting ready for SNL. Oh, okay. He All came right. and did a weekend, getting ready to work on his monologue, I guess. But it was funny because when Chappelle came to town, mm-hmm. like all of a sudden on TI's social media, TI came to the show and Killer Mike came to the show and Two Chains came to the show mm-hmm. and I think the goddamn Keisha Bottoms came to the show. Damn. I go, I have BOB came to mind. <laughs> 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 but it's funny, like you'll reach out to people like, yo, I like TI's uh, Clay came. But not T.I., like, you know, Clay? Right, right, right. Clay came, Yeah. and then he was like, uh, yeah, Tip was going to come, and something That's happened. what they always say, too. Yeah, he was, he he was, was like, you didn't, didn't even tell that motherfucker. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, he wasn't. I don't care. But even right. Duval came out to see Chappelle and everything, and it was just funny. I go, wow, none of this, they didn't make it to mine. It's weird. Oh. That's an event. Yeah. You know? That's why you said Samuel's in London. <laughs> it's like when... You're on the road like that. It's it's a it's a freaking event. Mm-hmm. Everybody just shows up. You never know. Who. What's the most random person you saw backstage being on tour like that? Hmm. Like you wouldn't expect them to be there. I felt like I might have seen like Michael Phelps or some shit, man. Well, probably in Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yep. I think it was Baltimore. Michael Phelps. Chiwetel Ojefor. You know what that is? Oh, the guy in all the movies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what city was he in? He. I think we were in. Um, we were in Dublin. Twelve years a slave guy, right? Yeah, yeah, him. yeah. Him, uh, random. There's been a there's been a lot of random people, but I think 
Michael Phelps was probably just, just what came to mind. I can't really think, but nobody gets more random than Chappelle. The well, people well, yeah. that come to his shit, I'm imagine. like, what the he fuck? Fucking, a fucking prince or some, a, a queen or some shit. Yeah, <laughs> like what's the one I just saw? He's at he's in Austin at Stubbs, and the Undertaker was there. <laughs> it's like this is the undertaker a Chappelle shit <laughs> or maybe oh maybe because joe rogan was there okay i didn't think about that yeah that that would feed into joe rogan's audience but i was like the mm-hmm. undertaker is that Stubbs in austin all right man uh i don't want to hold you up any tour dates anything else you want to pump assisted living is it is it when's it coming back it can well we have um few episodes left for this season. It comes on 8.30 on Wednesday night. And I don't know how long it's going to take before the second season comes out. They might go right into that shit, to be honest. Um, we'll see. But, yeah, every Wednesday, 8.30 p.m. on BT. It's called Tyler Perry's Assisted Living. And you can watch shit on, on demand, too. And then what what days is Straight from the Heart on? Straight from the Heart is um, every Tuesday and Thursday on Sirius XM 96. It's 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time. Is that live? You guys go live? It, no, nah, it's not. It, well, most of the time, no. 90% of the time, no. Uh, because of COVID, we've been doing it on Zoom. Mm, got but, it. But sometimes we go live every once in a while. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, I'm sorry I didn't call you back. My fault. <laughs> 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 fucking call me on the fucking bitch. It's all, all right, good, man. who wins if Triple G and Canelo fight again? The same person that won the first two fights, Triple G. Thought he, I thought he won too. I definitely won that first one. Definitely won. The, he had Canelo backing up the whole fight. The second fight, I see, kind of they gave it to Canelo because he was the aggressor, and Triple G asked for. I want, I want Mexican style. I want Mexican style. Then he gave you Mexican style, and you jabbed him the whole fight. But I still feel like he won. But I want to see Demetrius Andrade and Jamal, Jamal Charlo fight Canelo. That's what I want to see. Who do you think wins? I think Charlo loses, and I think Andrade wins. Charlo versus Charlo. <laughs> Who wins? <laughs> uh, I think the I think the uh, the one that's at one fifty four is better. Yeah, Jamal. He knocks a lot of people like out. They hit so fucking hard. They do. The Charlos are like. God, we knocked that one dude out with a jab. We went, pip. I right. went, what the fuck was that? I think Jamal is the better boxer. I think Jamel has more power. They came to see me in Houston last time. Yeah. They were bigger in person than I thought. You know, th- that fight weight is not their walk-around weight. Yeah. That motherfucker's probably like 170, 80 pounds. I thought it was heavyweight. Well, he had a hoodie on and yeah. sunglasses, and I kept because they said he's coming to the show. Uh-huh. His trainer called me and said, Gary, we, we bought tickets. We're coming. I was like, cool. So I'm looking for him, like, where the fuck they at? And then I text him after. I go, did you guys come? He goes, we sat in the front. We was right to the right. And I go, that was him? <laughs> I thought that was a heavyweight, but he looked so big. Yeah. He had, but he had a hoodie on and sunglasses. I go, I didn't even realize. I didn't even mess with him. And I made eye contact at least 10 times because I, I would have gave him some love, yeah, hometown yeah, yeah. and shit. But those guys hit. Fuck. Okay, Spence and Crawford. Crawford. By knockout or decision? A really grueling fight by decision. Errol Spence is relentless, man. He's a he's a fucking dog. I knew he was gonna beat up on Danny Garcia like that, and I like Danny, but the attack, he he just comes forward, and you gotta have a great boxing IQ, and you gotta have some dog in you to beat him. Sean Porter gave his best performance ever against Errol Spence. Ever, I couldn't believe he looked like a different fighter. Ever. That was a great fight. Yeah. Any can any heavyweight beat Tyson Fury right now? Wilder, when he if if he doesn't cheat. 
Okay. You're gonna stick <laughs> that cheap shit. Uh, Fury is, is the best skilled. He's he's the best skilled boxer. Logan Paul and Mayweather. Oh, I'm so mad about that fight. Why? I'm a, I'm a these are these are the most influential people in my in my life, or have been in my life. Muhammad Ali, Floyd Mayweather, Shaquille O'Neal, and it used to be R. Kelly before. Mm. Not before, <laughs> before, just before you knew. Before, before you I knew. knew. <laughs> Muhammad Ali, because of what he stood for, the the likability of of him, um, he's the greatest because not because of what he did in the ring, but what he did outside of the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, Floyd Mayweather, because of the work ethic, his ability to 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 adjust in the middle of a fight. Most guys come to a fight, they have a plan. If it don't work, you just lose. This dude just worked his ass off. He outworked everybody. He he was never nervous in the lights. He always said, you know, I did the work. It's going to be what it's going to be. And then Shaquille O'Neal, another person, because of his likability. Uh, I read Shaq's book. He said that he took away from um, different people when he was coming up. He said Ronnie Cycli used to dunk the ball. He would swing his legs forward. Yeah. And he said, I'm going to start doing that. Mm-hmm. Just, just the him. He's so likable. Remember, he went to Boston. He, he was a statue for a day. Yeah. People came to and Harvard. Yeah, right. All that to say, I'm such a fan of Floyd Mayweather, and I I know that he's about money, but I just don't want to see him fight anybody unless it's a person that's a real fighter. So it's gonna be hard for me to pay for that fight. I'm gonna pay for it. I probably will too. I just I don't want to see it. And then we talked about this on radio. What happens if he fucking loses? There's, he's not. He, he's not, but let's just say let he me, lost. Let me tell you what's going to happen, or what I think is going to happen. I know you, you predict boxing 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. And I was talking this with some of the guys over here. Reality is going to hit Logan Paul walking to that ring. Mm-hmm. And now, you got, now he's training. Now you got your boys hyping you up, gassing you up. Mm-hmm. When you get in that ring, you realize, oh, fuck, I'm by myself. Yeah. And Floyd's gonna hit him one time where he ain't gonna see it. He might like, go, "Oh fuck, I didn't see that coming." Right. <laughs> He's gonna do like Ruiz when he was fighting Roy Jones. Right, right. I'm like this, and that's the thing that's the difference is he's granted he's bigger than Floyd. Biggest Floyd, shit. like you said, is going to be so relaxed. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like he's at a backyard backyard playing dominoes in that fight. All right, let me see how how you, let me see how strong you are. Mm-hmm. Throw the punch. I'm like this. And then like he's gonna said, let it go a few rounds just for the entertainment around, purpose. And then, <laughs> but we know he's gonna win one thousand percent. But let's just say that Paul just threw some lucky punch and knocked him out. Does that kill Floyd Mayweather's legacy? No, May, I mean Ali fought. He was wrestling. He was doing WWE shit yeah. before he fought. When he fight Andre the Giant and shit like that. But Floyd Mayweather has never lost a fight, and to lose to a YouTube sensation, well, he lost in the Olympics. We'll go back to that. He didn't really lose. That. I know he didn't lose, but, but I'm just saying. As a professional, I just can't see it happening. I know we can't see it happen, but lightning strikes. Mm-hmm. He wins. I don't. I don't think it affects his legacy because he's forty four, forty three. He's he's forty three. Yeah, so he's still undefeated at four from forty one years old before. I don't think it affects. But losing to a YouTube, yeah, that would suck. That that that'd be the that'd be literally like. Um, Dr. Doolittle, when Eddie Murphy came out of the fucking audience, it was funnier than Chappelle. And that clumps. That the, was, I'm sorry, the clumps. Yeah. It, that that's the equivalent without knowing. Yeah. I just can't. I can't even fathom. And you know, Floyd is calculated. Like he's about the money, but he's also calculated. Mm-hmm. He ain't gonna duck a fight. He 
Everybody act like he didn't fight. He fought everybody. He fought Canelo. He fought everybody. He fought De La Hoya. He fought everybody. I'm like this. Canelo couldn't hurt him? Yeah. And anybody who they said he should have fought that he did not fight end up getting their ass kicked anyway. Like Facts. Like Paul Williams. Paul Williams. Who, you know, he's paralyzed now. Mm -hmm. He got knocked out by Sergio Martinez. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. I'm going to pay to see it. How much do you think that shit going to cost? Well, they, mm -hmm. Who cares? Like I just, they haven't even announced where it's at. It's probably going to be in Vegas. It has to be in Vegas. Oh. California's not going to have fans. They're going with some people in the crowd. Could be in Dallas. Yeah. Could be in Dallas. Jerry Jones. Hmm. Mm. All right, man. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see if you're right on all these picks. I'm right on all of them. Yeah. You're right a lot of times. I'm like, what Canelo, did Naeem say? Canelo don't want no parts of David Benavidez, Demetrius Andre, or Charlo. I think out of those three, he can beat Charlo. I think Benavidez is, is too young and strong, mm. but you never know. Who? Um, what about Lopez? Tiofimo? <sighs> Monster. I lost money on that fight. You picked uh, Lomachenko. Yeah. I want to see a rematch. I think Lomachenko, I don't know what he was doing the first six rounds. I go, what are you doing? He was, I think he was, he was afraid. I think he was afraid because nobody has, they asked him in the lead up, has anybody ever talked to you like this? Said no, nobody. Everybody's always been like super respectful of him. And Tio was like, "I'm gonna beat your ass. I'm gonna fuck you up." And he intimidated him. And his dad, yeah, his, his fucking dad. I do think his dad was probably drinking and came at him sideways. I Definitely. don't think Lomachenko was being a dick. I think he was Definitely. like, "Yo, keep this." You were like, he was like a crazy fan almost. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, he disrespected me. I go, ah. That was all for to get him riled up. But yeah, yeah Tio Fimos is good. I think Devin Haney will beat him, but. Last week, after seeing Shakur Stevenson fight his most recent fight, I think he's the future. I think he'll beat all of them. He's so young. Shakur. He's 23. Well, good boxing talk. We'll see if you're right. All right, Naeem. I'll, I'll call you back next time. All right, man. You got to come uh, do our show. Uh, whenever. Do, I want to do, do it when pandemic's over. I, wanna, I like to do, do, do live. Yeah. Okay. I'll wait. All I'll right. wait till it's everybody's back to full capacity because I want to maximize the ticket sales. <laughs> <laughs> I want to put clubs are back to full capacity. I don't want to right. come straight from the door. Where you at, Gary? Toledo. There's 100 seats. <laughs> right. I want to work back to an arenas and shit. Facts, facts. All right, man. Appreciate All right, you man. coming on, man. My pleasure. Thank you, man.